Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic, And we are here. Training Camp 2023 is here. We have our Camp Position Battles podcast, where we go through, you know, the the camp position battle is pretty simple. And uh, the Giants signed a couple new players, uh, big name players, and Cole Beasley and James Robinson. Justin, while people are listening to this, I am up in New Jersey. We're going to be at every camp practice. We're going to be at joint practices in Detroit. How are you doing? Camp week, baby. So pumped. So pumped to see our New York football Giants back in action. And, man, we, you know, let's, let's do it. Uh, these signings are, especially, there's one of them that I have – you know, more of a, I'm putting a little bit more of importance on than the other. So let's uh, let's do it, Bobby. Let's let's talk some giants. First, this episode was brought to you by some special people. We have Mark Breer, Jason Trossel, Red Yeti, and Tyler Sesti or Kesti. Justin, who are these people? Patreon.com/slash/talkgiants. That's where those wonderful, wonderful people went. They're hanging out with us live while we're recording this show on a little Monday afternoon show. Camp battles, that happens once a year. Uh, plus Cole Beasley, James Robinson, we're all talking about it. Patreon.com slash Giants. Thanks to our patrons. Appreciate you. All right, before we get into the camp position battles, the Giants did sign two players, Cole Beasley and James Robinson. And I want to start with Cole Beasley, who is 34 years old now. Um, played a little last year, right? Like had a stint with the Bucks. asked for his release. You know, he was on the practice squad. Wasn't, he wasn't getting the playing time that he wanted. Goes to the Bills, doesn't get much run until the playoffs, Justin, where he was, he played 60 snaps in those two playoff games. He was playing about 50% of the snaps, you know, had a, a touchdown and a couple big gains. Nothing, nothing crazy. Ended up the season with 10 catches, 103 yards, and one touchdown on 91 snaps. Obviously, we know the Giants have had interest for a while, going back to, you know, last camp. Um, and has that connection with Dable, like he was, He's been, he was very big for Buffalo, you know, those first three uh, three years that he was there with Dable. You know, where he had 693 yards on 82 catches in 2021, had 1,000 yards on 82 in 2020, and then 800 yards in 2019, um, all while having high catch rates. He was a big, big part of the Buffalo Bills offense, and he was missed greatly uh, last season, where the Bills did not have that Cole Beasley replacement. Khalil Shakir wasn't ready. Jamison Crowder, who was there, they wasn't really getting it down. They, they had to compensate, but they were actually putting Stefan Diggs a lot in the slot, um, to do some of the stuff that Beasley did in the quick game, the short area, those quick option routes, which is where he's made his money. And they signed him. Obviously, they still didn't have success in the playoffs, but I think this signing, even though he's 34 years old, doesn't have the same athletic ability that he once did. Not expecting those numbers that we saw before, Justin. I know because the Giants have a lot of quote-unquote slot wide receivers, this is just like, up oh, camp body. And people have written off that, 34 years old. I don't think this signing is as small as other people think, right? Because Cole Beasley, who asked for his release from the Bucks, played in the playoffs for the Buffalo Bills last year. At 34 years old, to me... Did not just sign with the New York Giants to be a camp body. And I don't think Brian Dable brought him in here. And t- you know, they have a very close relationship. Brought him in there to just be a camp body either. I think this guy is going to compete for a roster spot. And unless the entire wide receiver core stays 100% healthy through camp, I do think this guy is playing games for the New York Giants this year. I don't know how much, but... 
like I, 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 if you told me the bet on does Cole Beasley play regular season games for the Giants this season, I would bet that he does. Yeah, the the five to six wide receivers that the Giants are going to carry on this year's roster, who you know who those are going to be, gets a little bit more cloudier and it gets a little bit more confusing. So I 100% agree with you uh, on on everything that you said, and I'll even add this part of it too. You know, my two cents just about the Giants roster itself, where the joke, you know, the running joke on Friday was that when the Giants made this signing, that oh, you know, you know, join the million slot wide receivers that the Giants have. Okay, you know, we hey, we said on Sterling Shepard's PPP that Sterling Shepard's about 70% outside wide receiver, 30% slot wide receiver. He has outside inside versatility, but I would not say that Sterling Shepard is a slot wide receiver. Sterling Shepard is a first outside wide receiver. So that's that's one wide receiver. Paris Campbell, he is I would say right now the the leading candidate to be slot wide receiver number 1. You know, we we heard a lot of hype about him during the spring. He also has outside-inside versatility, but definitely Paris Campbell, like slot. Okay. Wanda Robinson coming off the torn ACL, you know, we have hopes for him, you know, somewhat high hopes, but I don't know how, you know, I'm not putting him in pen as, like, ready to rock and roll. You know, he he could start on PUP. You know, he could start this training camp on PUP on some sort of list. So, yeah, man, I, I think Cole Beasley is coming in here, and I think he is going to play. I think he is going to make this team. It's just a matter of, you know, how is he going to fit with Daniel Jones? How is he going to fit in this offense? And then how will kind of the depth chart crumble as camp goes on? Because we know that it inevitably will because we are Giants fans. Oh, also, Jamison Crowder. I'm sorry, too. People were telling me about Jamison Crowder that... Well, the Bills oh, we, played Cole Beasley over Jamison Crowder last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, you know, and I even I when the Giants signed Jamison Crowder, I asked uh, our our cover one guys. So I was like, what what ended up happening with him? And they're like, yeah, they just didn't really adapt to the the playbook and and you know what what the Bills want out of him right away. And I don't think he, um, uh, but he did. I mean, he did break his ankle in October. Um, but I'm I'm looking up Jamison Crowder stats on the flyer. But yeah, but but see with Cole Beasley. Yeah, is he older and slower? Yeah, but a lot of what he does is not about being fast and explosive. It's yeah. about being an extremely smart, reliable slot wide receiver. Yeah, he's um, never been a high yak guy, um, and he's never been a high average depth of target guy. Like this he's a is going to be chains kind of guy. Like he runs yeah. those option routes, gets win- wins leverage, and gets you an eight yard catch. Richie like, James. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what he does. Yeah, you know, Jameson Crowder had. Six catches for sixty yards through four games with with them on thirteen targets, so less. So yeah, I mean, obviously he got injured last year, but there was there was not much, uh, there was not a huge role for him in, in there. Um, and then they, you know, Isaiah McKenzie didn't fit the way they wanted. Shakir was still a little young, um, and so they brought Cole Beasley back and played like Cole Beasley played for the Buffalo Bills fifty percent of the snaps in two playoff games last year, and yeah. caught a you know a twenty nine yard pass and caught a touchdown. So. Like I said, if the whole wide receiver core stays 100% healthy and is all ready to go for week one, yeah, Cole Beasley probably gets cut. But we know that that's usually not the case with the New York Giants and especially this wide receiver room. Um, so, and again, like for a guy who asked from the Tampa Bay Bucks last year to be released, didn't go anywhere until the Buffalo Bills rang his phone and used him in the playoffs. I don't think at 34 years old, he's coming back just to be a camp body. Like there's no there's no money in that. You know, the money money doesn't kick, you know, you get the, you know, the 
the stipend you know you get for being in training camp but those contracts don't start hitting till week one and i don't think they gave him any guaranteed money or any signing bonus to to put him in there so uh cole beasley i think you can actually make this roster now james robinson now james robinson when you look at paper it's like hey this guy's been a thousand yard rusher only 25 years old um he with saquon out has a, a you know a, a chance to come in here and fight for a roster spot a very interesting career right where in 2020 undrafted free agent comes in has 1400 yards that season 10 touchdowns bam through 2021, through 11 games, he has a thousand scrimmage yards and then tears his Achilles. Comes back last year and his numbers didn't look bad to start with Jacksonville, but Jacksonville traded him for that six round pick and he was just out of shape and slow for the Jets. And you're like, okay, well, hey, coming off of a torn Achilles, we saw, hey, Saquon Barkley had an amazing year. We saw how he, how bad he was coming off of the ACL, MCL. The Patriots signed him to a two year, $4 million deal that was worth up to $8 million in incentives. They cut him in minicamp. Which is physical time, like basically, like hey, we we don't feel trust this guy's body. So I don't know if that was due to just coming off being bad coming off the injury or laziness, where he let himself get out of shape. But I think he 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 again does have a chance to fight for a roster spot, like for that third running third running back spot if Saquon Barkley is there. If they hey put it up between him and Breida. But because I think they like Brita, Eric Gray's not going anywhere, and Saquon Berkeley does show up, I do think James Robinson is end, ends up being a cut candidate. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Uh, I'm looking at his yards before contact per attempt numbers. These are these are some really good numbers, and usually yards before contact, it, it, it could be kind of a running back thing. You know, hey, how can you avoid contact, right? But also I kind of view it as an offensive line thing. So 2021... 2.7 yards before contact per attempt. 2022, 2.6 across the two teams that, that he was on. Ironically enough, 2019, you know, 2020, his best year, his 1,000-yard year, it was 1.9 yards before contact per attempt, which is not great. Like That's like Saquon Barkley with the Giants' offensive line. Yeah, he was breaking Pre- tackles that rookie year. Like he yeah. Was, he was, yeah, he he was is, a, a fun back to watch. But this is where it gets bad because 2021, 2022 yards before contact is, is above two and a half yards, but the yards per attempt is, you know, it's it, like last year it was 3.9. So yeah. the Jets, it was 2.7. Yeah. The so Jets, that's like, not fantastic. I, I was talking with Zach Rosenblatt, like he was out of shape and slow with the Jets last year and the Patriots cut him, which isn't a good sign. So maybe that was a hey a wake up call. Maybe it is just due injury related and it needs time. Um, but again, a, a camp body. Uh, this is the one where I think it's more of a candidate for it to be a camp body. Um, yeah, I agree. But at the same, I mean, he is a 25 year old back who put up 1400 scrimmage yards as a rookie. So there is there is some glimmer of hope that there's a good back in there, yeah. um, and the Giants got him. Like hey hey, if he looks good, like. If we if we see him the first two weeks of camp preseason game, he looks good. Then I will hey put him on the roster. Put him on the roster. Figure out a way to keep this guy in the roster. He's shown he's been a talented back before. He looks good now. Looks like he's in shape, can move well. He's breaking tackles in preseason. Bring him in. But as of now, going off of what happened last year with the Jets and then being cut by the Patriots, I don't think it looks. Uh, it's not a great outlook for James Robinson. Yeah, catches some passes too, even if they're just dump offs or whatever out of the backfield. Uh, forty nine catches, thirty one catches in twenty twenty one or from twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. So yeah, what, James Robinson's completion I, like, percentage because that's the true test of a great receiving back. 
Yeah, in his, in his three years with Jacksonville, seventy six point one percent. Mike Tannenbaum, um, give this guy the max. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I have way more of a reaction to Cole Beasley than James Robinson. Well, let's so just say hey, James Robinson is looking for a ch- another chance in the NFL. Cole Beasley's done his damage in the NFL. Like he's not coming out here for a chance. He's coming out here to play. Um, and he knows the offense really well with those option routes, that quick game, and and. You know, again, his game's not predicated on being, uh, you know, a burner or making tough contested catches. Like, that's not what it's, his game's predicated on. So, I think All right, here's we'll- a question for you. Wednesday, first practice. Um, we're going to be there. It's going to be a walkthrough. What team is Cole Beasley with? Day one is a little bit of politics. It's kind of seniority. Um, if Wandale is practicing... Third team. If Wandale's not practicing second team over Jamison Crowder. Okay. All right. Let's uh let's get into these camp battles. Before that, Justin, this episode was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including sports, concerts, festivals, and more. Justin, we're going to Detroit. Um... We are. I was thinking maybe going to a Tigers game. Do they have a nice stadium in Detroit? I think they I, do, right? I have no clue. I think they had an all-star game. So I'm thinking and tickets got to be cheap because the Tigers suck, right? Tigers do suck. So we're going to get a lot of green deals. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll we'll figure out a way that you seek you can get in a luxury box or something in Detroit. Whoa. Um, you know, get 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 in with those people. So they if always want to make sure you're Tigers getting a good fan, deal. With, we'll say it again. If you're a Giants and Tigers fan, come say hi to us. Yeah, um, and hey, they even if it's not a crappy team, you can get good deals. I was looking at Yankees Mets tickets, which I don't think we're gonna have time to go to, but it's like, oh wow, there's some good deals on here. Thanks to SeatGeek, they always oh. want to make sure that you are getting a good deal. So when you're on the app, look for the green dots. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you uh, return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. We've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Click the link in the description to download the app. I'm going to get my dad's uh, birthday present this year off SeatGeek. You'll be glad you did. I think. Uh, I was talking with my brother about it today. All right. Camp position battles. This is the podcast we do every every single year. It's pretty simple. We're just going through the the actual battles. And usually Twitter, and we, we put up the polls on Twitter and Instagram. Which is always fun. People telling us, well, whoever plays better in camp, like that's, yeah, we know that's not the purpose of the polls. Um, usually it's always pretty unanimous on where they go, but we had on left guard and linebacker too, which I think are the truest of competitions. Twitter and Instagram disagreed on both those, which I think wow. is very interesting, which you, again, usually doesn't happen and, and pretty close votes. And, and the linebacker too had the closest vote we've ever had. Um, in this, but we have six. We got left guard, running back two, technically RB one until Saquon shows up. Nickel corner, linebacker two, uh, safety, and then edge four. We threw on there. We're gonna start with left guard though, which I think is the most important one. Justin, uh, linebacker might be the most op- wide open one, but left guard is probably the most important one. So we have Josh Azudu versus Ben Bredesen. Twitter voted Josh Azudu fifty three percent, Bredesen forty seven percent. Instagram, very close. Bredesen got 51%. Azudu got 49%. So Twitter's going Azudu. Instagram, Ben Bredesen. And 
This one frustrates me a little bit because I think Mark Lewinsky should be in the camp position battle, but we kind of, it's established that Mark Lewinsky will be starting at right guard and these two will be battling at left guard. And I would, I have faith that Azudu can turn into a player, but this season is about winning games to me, Justin. And guards kind of can turn into year three is when they really flourish. I mean, we saw it with Ben Bredesen himself is when he was, you know, a lot much better, a lot better player year three than he was year two. And that's why I'm going to go Ben Bredesen because the Giants are in a, in a mode of winning now. And Josh Azudu, you're not losing out on an asset by starting Ben Bredesen over him right now. Mark Lewinsky most likely won't be here next year. Injuries happen, which can, you know, slate guys in. You know, if, if, even if John Michael Smith were to go down, Bredesen's going to center. Azudu's going to pop in there. So it's not like a, I don't really think it's a big indictment on Azudu. It's just Ben Bredesen was their second best offensive lineman uh, last year after Andrew Thomas. Uh, and it's definitely as a pass protector and I want to protect the passer that I'm putting a premium on that this year and I'm going Ben Bredesen over Josh Azudu. I'm going to go Josh Azudu. and really the, the only question that I have, um, about Azudu has, has the recovery, he had neck injury, right? Which those are always tricky. Has the recovery hampered the time and focus on getting better on technique and getting better as a football player? Because the year, you know, the year between year one and year two, you know, uh, it could be even year year, year two and year three for Josh Azudu. This could be like ne- him next year. But I feel like taking what went wrong in year one and then fully working on technique since in season, you talk about this all the time, Bobby, in season, you're not fully working on technique. You're preparing for the opponent the next week, you're not working and developing on your game. And this is credit to Josh Azudu that he was able to get better in sub-technical aspects as the year did go on. But it sucks that he has that neck injury because now you have to rehab back for that and you gotta and you kind of got to take you know let the body move at its natural pace and natural course of recovery, right? So how's the recovery hampered the time and focus on getting better on technique? That's the main question I have about Josh Azudu. But why I still hope Josh Azudu wins this camp job, and, well, and I think he can and I think he will, he has the athleticism upside, he has the fast feet, and he has like the mauling nature in the run game. Uh, I think Azudu at his best and reaching his potential, it is better than Ben Bredesen Absolutely. at his best and his potential. But the higher floor goes to Ben Bredesen, but the higher ceiling goes to Josh Azudu. And I hope Josh Azudu hits the ceiling, and I hope he hits it this year. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, that's something I'm rooting for in camp is Azudu to like stand out and, and be good to go um, because, hey, foot speed is the name of the game for offensive linemen. Like it's 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 what uh, differentiates great from good. Like there's a lot of offensive linemen who have really good technique and stuff, but they don't have that great foot speed and stuff from being great. Azudu has that. So um, that's going to be an interesting camp position battle. I'm also interested because Bredesen was getting a little bit of work in center in the uh, OTAs. Is that do they let him solely focus on a battle for left guard, or are they, you know, giving him second team center reps or splitting with John Michael Smith? Like, do they let him focus? And that could be a negative for Bredesen at the end of the day. Is if they're kind of training him, if they're cross training him at, you know, left guard, center, and right guard to get that versatility out, which is Bredesen's the best suited on the line to do that. But also, you don't let a guy who could be starting focus solely on that starting position. So. But I'm, I'm going to go Bredesen just because, hey, I, I, I want to have some trust as a pass protector, and Bredesen gives me that. All right, so you agree with Twitter. I agree with Instagram, my people from the gram. 
or you agree with X. By the way, I signed up for Twitter Blue. Did you do it? No. You should. Yet. I should. I decided to do it for training camp. Um, one, the videos are better, and as breakdowns show out, those end up being... The most annoying thing is having to tweet at Bobby Skinner from the Talking Giants account with a video over 2 minutes, 20 seconds long, and everyone starts liking that video and quote-tweeting that video. It's like, no, look, don't look at that one. Don't look at that. And they just promote it. So, RB2. This is if Saquon is there, playing like we're assuming. Twitter said Eric Gray 57%, Matt Breida 43%. Instagram said Eric Gray 60%, Matt Breida 40%. Justin, who are you going? This is tough. Matt Breida. Well, you can't, it's, it really does depend. Like, if Saquon's there, like, if you want to spell back, maybe that's Matt Breida, but, and Matt Breida gives you a little more receiving threat with his speed. You know, that, we, you know, like, Matt Breida's going to be used regardless. But I'm actually going to go Eric Gray just because, you know what? I, I really do like Eric Gray, man. And this is, you're going to see in this composition battles podcast is where when I said I was so happy with day three of this year's draft, it's not just being like every fan base like, oh, I think we got some value on day three. No, I was actually very happy with day three. And I like Eric Gray, man. And I think if he ran a faster 40 time, this guy is a day two pick. Um, and I'm glad he didn't because you got to go to this get, get this guy in the fifth round. I trust Eric Gray. I do. I think he's going to be a solid back in the NFL. And... Breida maybe doesn't have that ability to put his shoulder down and run through guys. Now, Breida's going to be used. You know, speed sweeps. You put him in some two-back sets with him and Saquon. But I, at the end of the day, I said, who, if Saquon were to get injured, who do I want to play? It would be Eric Gray. Now, Matt Breida, if I'm giving him uh, the backup running back seven snaps, Breida probably go over a great. But you know what? I'm just going to give the guy who I trust with giving volume, and I'm going to go Eric Gray as my guy. Yeah, I just like Breida's speed. Um Man, this is tough, though. And Breida's produced every year in the NFL when he's gotten touches. You know, he's never been, yeah. you know, the, this workhorse back. But he, you look at his his efficiency numbers, and they are very good every single year. Yeah, and and, he, and the reality is is that if Eric Gray proves to be the RB2 by the time camp ends, like, Matt Breida could not be on the team. Who, would, who over him? I mean, it would be... Saquon Barkley, RB1, uh, Gray, RB2, and then, you know, Gary Brightwell and all of his special teams prowess as RB3. I don't think they like Brightwell as much as the last regime did, though. Okay. I mean, I, I, I hope that it's Gray, Barkley, and Brita as as the three, but I, I can see... Like if they view if they don't view Breed as a kick return and they view Brightwell as a kick return or they view Brightwell's special teams kicks. versatility, Greg can return. He's also not a. He's also kind of sly. I, but so is, is it Gary bad Brightwell. that I want I want I want stereo? I well, I know. Well, that's why I didn't like Gary Brightwell returning kicks. Is it bad that stereotypically I just want like one of the fastest guys on the team that isn't so valuable to just return kicks? I don't want slow guys returning kicks for me. Yeah, you care about special teams a lot. Um, I do. Here's the thing is, even if Gray is RB2 and getting more carries than Breida, even after with Saquon on the roster, Breida's going to be used in those two-back sets. You know, those, you know, he did in the playoffs, but he did it a lot of other times where you give him the, you know, the fake, the, give him the handoffs, and then you fake the, you know, the speed sweep handoff and give it to Saquon, throw some misdirection. He had a couple, you know, receiving catches that were, you know, 15 yards last year. Um, 
So Breida's going to get run regardless, and Gray can be a rookie and do special teams and stuff like that. I don't, I don't see why not. But uh, so I, I, I'd say both are on the roster, unless James Robinson, like we talked about before, comes in and just balls out in camp, and then you got to make a decision on him or him or Matt Breida. But uh, or Saquon doesn't show up, and this is all for not. But so you're going all right. So we've agreed or disagreed on the first two. Next is nickel corner. Twitter, so I agreed with Twitter and Instagram. You agreed with no one. Twitter went Cordell Flott, 71%. Darnay, 17%. Aaron Robinson, 12%. Instagram went Cordell Flott, 60%. Darnay, 29%. Aaron Robinson, 11%. Even though this is a position battle, I think we should all be in agreement it's going to be Cordell Flott, right, Justin? Yes. It. This is the guy they drafted in the third round. He got playing time last year. You drafted Deontay Banks in a door. They're going to be on the outside, Cordell Flott. It should be Cordell Flott. Darnay Holmes struggled last year. This should be it. But I do want to talk about this. I don't know how Aaron Robinson is going to look coming back from his injury. I haven't thrown him away as a player. I have not either. He was going to be the starting outside corner last year. You know? And it wasn't just because, hey, he was the – no, they moved him as from nickel corner from to outside corner because they trusted him more than anyone on this team that wasn't named Adore Jackson. He is very physical in the run game. We've seen some good nickel corner uh, you know, flashes from him in, two, in his rookie season when he came back. But injury is holding him back so much. We haven't gotten to see this guy play more than a couple games in a row in the NFL um, and at different roles. Where Cordell Flaw is the guy they drafted. We saw some flashes of good film last year. He's got the athleticism. Um, worries me a little in the run game, but I'm going to go. Like I think Cordell Flaw is the easy answer in this. When does uh when do these websites update their weights? Never. Never. Yeah, I mean the the team roster can, but again, you don't always want to trust team rosters either because they will. They can inflate stuff. Yeah. So we we it, it'll have to be a a, a look thing or Cordell Flott tells us how much he weighs in, a, in an interview or something. All right, that would be great if if somebody on the beat can can ask Cordell Flott. Maybe there was a Giants huddle interview that I missed and John Schmilk or whoever asked uh asked Cordell Flott how much weight did you put on because uh, that's certainly part of Cordell Cordell Flott's evaluation. Something that's still crazy: Cordell Flott's turning twenty two in August. He's not even twenty two yet. Um, so is he ready? I mean, I think that's honestly the, the main question because no matter how flawed you view Darnay Holmes, and Darnay Holmes was bad last year, there's a difference between being bad and there's a difference between being like a disaster that you just have to, have to get off the field. And it felt like that at times with Darnay Holmes, but then remember, you know, the Tevin Wades of the world and then remember Grant, uh, Haley. Grant Haley. You know, those are just flat-out disasters that, that you have to get off the football field and you have to bench. Darnay Holmes is not one of those guys. And Darnay Holmes is also just put in a tough scenario because this Wink Martindale defense does not fit what he does well and technically what he was drafted to do um, with Patrick Graham. Very successful draft pick, Darnay Holmes. But is Cordell Flott ready? Um, turning 22 in August, like I said. Uh, I still have this, like, little back and forth in my brain, Bobby. He looked all right on the outside last year, and it didn't, for whatever reason, the Giants didn't seem to think he was ready to play in the slot last year. And he, you know, remember facing up with, like, A.J. Brown. He, like, (laughs) weird time to, okay, Cordell Flott, we're going to roll you out and really going to play you now. It was, like, against the the first Eagles game against A.J. Brown, and he, like, did all right, looked, looked decent. 
The second Philly game, he was he was out there a decent amount, and of course, you know the play that he makes in the playoff game on like a third down uh, to help uh, to help seal that win. So, um, but that was even that, like he played slot like once Adore Jackson came back, which was the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, like that that nice play he made was covering KJ Osborne and as, right as a slot wide yeah. receiver. Um, yeah, no. I think the advantage that he has is even if he let's just say he's lacking a little bit in you know, maybe the quickness department or IQ, you know, this will, he had his rookie. I, I think he had a, the, the perfect amount of playing time, especially for how light he was and how young he was. But if this is his first full year starting, then it will be, he's going to have some sort of growing pains. I think this year, inevitably, but because of his size and because of his length, I think that's going to help him out a ton in the areas. And let's just say that's like the opposite of what Darnay Holmes, uh, you know, Darnay Holmes does not have that length, and he does not have that going with him for him. Man, talk about not realizing something. You know he only played three snaps in that playoff game versus the Vikings? And one of them was an extremely important play. Yeah. Like, argu- like arguably, it was, it's like a top 10 defensive play for the Giants in the 2022 season. And then he played almost exclusively on the outside last season. So Yeah. I mean, 260 kinda- snaps to 15 in the slot. I was kind of surprised to hear, you because know, he had Ryan Dunleavy, who's been plugged in to the team, come on our show and say there are some people in the building that didn't think he can handle the slot, and you know at least last year, and that's why he moved to the outside last year. And then we heard in the spring that all right, they're trying him out there on the slot again, so we'll see where he lines up in in camp, and and as the month of August mo- moves on, where where he's lining up and what he's doing. I yep. hope it is the slot. Flaught is the ultimate, we're either going to love you and maybe even overrate you this season, or we're going to hate you and move on from you, like from the, as yeah. a, from the fan base. Um, and the reason why it's like, well, people are like, well, he's better on the outside than the slot, is people think, oh, well, outside, bigger receivers, better blockers, which can make sense. But the slot defender is so important into the run game in today's NFL. You know, where it's like you you have to come out and you have to come out and play, and that's where Flop got bullied a little bit in the run game. So everyone agrees, Flop though. Yeah. All right, before we get into linebacker two, which is a very close but uninspiring battle, Justin, why don't you talk to us about something? I'll talk to you about something, and that is ppv.com pay per view. If you were wondering. This Saturday, July 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern, I'm getting together with some of my buddies, and I'm going to be watching this. Earl Spence Jr. versus Terrence Crawford, undisputed welterweight world championship. It's live on ppv.com. Our guy, Dan Canobio, Chris Algieri, Ron, Ronnie Jerez, Inside Boxing Live. They're going to be making their way out to Las Vegas and PPV, they're like sponsoring that trip. So that's awesome. Thanks to PPV for, for sending our inside boxing live guys out there. If you can see behind me, there they are. Dan Canobio, Chris Algieri. There they are behind me. For Spence Crawford, the chat host will be our very own Dan Canobio and Chris Algieri and, and legendary boxing writer Lance Pugmire. How do you like that? PPV is the most convenient, most reliable, most engaging way to stream pay-per-view events, and there are no subscriptions required ever. You can download the PPV.com app to all your favorite devices, and you can watch on your computer, phone, and, of course, on your big screen TV. Order Spence Crawford, like me, on PPV.com right now. Believe me, it is the very best way to watch this fight, and you you do not want to miss out. 
Um, get some talking giants versus the world in the in the chat. How about that? That'd be pretty cool. Cool. Dan Kenobi will be like, "What's going on?" And everybody will know what's going on. You'd be glad you You'd did. You'd be glad you did. Um, I sent a gift to the office. It's going to get there this week. A gift or a gif? A gift. Oh. I don't think a gif would take that long to show up I, to the office. Uh, hey, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Um, something, something for my Uncle Mike. A mm, little decoration for the office. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over that. Like, every, There's all this other stuff out there. Like you saw, did, so is the picture of me, you, Danny, and Julian still at the front? It's by the still elevators? there. Okay. Yes, it is. I'm just gonna slowly just take over that, like just one, one piece of, of thing at a time. Took us a couple of years to even get in the office in in some way or yeah. shape or form. So we're so gonna we're gonna do we're that. gonna take right. it over now. Inside linebacker two, Jared Davis was not a part of this because of his injury. Obviously, sad. Uh, which Jared Davis, if healthy, was gonna be my pick. You know. Yes. He was gonna 100%. be my pick. Um, linebacker two next to Bobby Okereke. Twitter went Darian Beaver 67%, which means Michael McFadden only got 33%. On Instagram, usually how the vote looks in two two hours in is how it ends up being around. I looked at the night before the poll ended and Beavers was up. And on Instagram, Micah McFadden got 50.3% of the vote. Beavers got 49.7%. That's a huge discrepancy. Justin, Beavers falls into the category where it's like, I want to give this guy a shot. I'm excited. I like him as a draft pick. He's probably, I thought, was maybe the the second best value on day three after uh, Daniel Bellinger last year. But also, he is being extremely overhyped. Extremely overhyped over a preseason game. In In a preseason game where I thought Mike McFadden actually played better, but he didn't have the big stop on a screenplay. Um, coming off of that injury, just I'm going Michael McFadden. I think Michael McFadden will look like a better player next to Bobby Okereke. You know, he had an interview interview with the NY Giants rush guys and talked about how hey, I need to get better into my drops and getting the coverage, which he really did. Um, I think he might probably dealt with some confidence issues playing next to Jalen Smith. I'm gonna go Michael McFadden. I don't have any confidence in this, and I'm not excited for it. But I am gonna go Michael McFadden to be the starter next to Bobby Okereke. And this guy will play over 50% of the snaps. This I, the linebacker two plays. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am adamantly going Micah McFadden too. Uh, and I'm with you. I want to give Darren Beavers a shot. Um, and if he surprises us, or I'm not even going to say if he surprises us in camp and preseason. Like that surprise is like you earning that spot is going to have to go into the season. This is Darian Beavers' rookie year. He didn't have a year last year. He didn't start in any regular season games. So Micah McFadden has been there, done that. He's going to have Bobby Okereke next to him, like he said. I thought Micah McFadden somewhat ended the season a little bit better than how he started it. You know, had some more flashier, you know, playmaking plays. Like I remember, I remember in Vikings games, uh, I thought the Eagles game uh, that final week, I thought he actually looked pretty good. And that was with, you know, he was playing next to Gerard Davis, who was getting the majority of the snaps. So look at how that correlates to each other when you have, you know, linebackers playing next to each other that are somewhat competent. So I'm going to make a McFadden, and I'm adamant on this. This is his second year. He's got the rookie year struggles, hopefully, you know, most of it behind him. Um, and everybody else, is, and including the defensive line, is better this year. I like the point you made about, like, no, not just camp and preseason. And I want to give a hint to um, 
our listeners, after we analyze preseason, right? Like very, very intensely, we analyze preseason more so than the average eye. Probably too much. Um, linebackers and running backs always look better in preseason. For linebackers, it's just simple reads and you're able to get downhill quicker. So remember how good Austin Calitro looked in preseason? Like all of our linebackers, take Crowder, all of our linebackers look good in preseason games. Do not overreact to linebacker play in preseason. Um, so me, you, and Instagram are going McFadden. It's us versus Twitter on this. All right, two more. This one I'm, I'm interested in because I think it go uh, a bunch of different ways. So safety. Safety next to McKinney. Twitter went Beltland 55%, Bobby McCain 24%, Jason Pinnock 15%, Javarius Owens 6%. I maybe should have added Nick McLeod into this, but I – We've never really say, seen Nick McLeod play safety, and I figured I'd just, hey, if he wins it, he wins it. But I, I left I left him out. I left four guys who we've watched consistent safety film of. Um, and then Instagram went Belton 46%, McCain 33%, Pinnock 11 and Owens 10 So basically the same, a little more for McCain, but both Belton won out. Who who are you going for this one? Because I feel like this one could go I – mean, I, th- I, I think you could actually make an argument for five different guys. Yeah, and, and that exact reason is why if there was one that I would ha- that I would choose to cop out on and say, well, I think it's going to be a rotation week to week, and I think it depends on the game plan and where you want to play Xavier McKinney, and if you want to put McKinney in the box, then I think it's going to be McCain. If you want to put McKinney deep, then I may say like, oh, Pinnock and Owens. But if it, you know we're choosing one that's going to win the battle and we're choosing one that's going to get the majority of the snaps, it's going to be Dane Belton. But like Bobby McCain's spring... Like Bobby McCain's a player that I have circled on looking at how he's used, how often he's used, and where he's making plays out there because Bobby McCain apparently had a pretty good spring and he was making interceptions and he was making some plays back there at that safety spot. But for the sake of I want the draft pick to work out and I want this guy to be maybe even like the next Julian Love, an underrated guy that can play anywhere, um, I'm going to go Dane Belton. Yeah. McCain has very solid coverage experience and I don't want to put him at like nickel corner like the commanders did last year but he does have solid coverage experience but I'm going to go back to what I said about how I really was impressed with the day three of this last draft oh you're going to do it aren't you I I have conviction on this guy Javarius Owens the seventh round pick out of Houston like I truly do have conviction that I think this guy can contribute in the NFL Um, and to me I think he is the most versatile right where McCain is kind of more just a coverage player, not going to have him fit up in the run game. Uh, Belton, I don't think he fits great in the box. He, I don't think he's great playing deep. He's better, kind of the best on man coverage. Pinnock is the best athlete, but hasn't really figured out the safety. I think Owens is the best all around and the guy I trust in the box the most. And I have confidence in Javarius Owens where like, I, I'm excited for this guy. Like, I think he's, we're going to look back and look, man, that's the seventh round who put up real playing time in the NFL. So I'm gonna go Javarius Owens. I'm going. I'm going like I, I don't. I wouldn't any other person. Person I would not have big conviction on, but I do have conviction that I really do like Javarius Owens. Like watching his film was very fun at Houston. Um, and I know the NFL is a different game, and the the thing that worries me about Owens is like he was a fingertip away from so many interceptions, and it's like, well, if you're half a step late in college, you might be a you know two steps late in the NFL. That's my worry with Owens, but. I thought just his film, man, was was pretty impressive, and I'm going to go Javarius Owens as, as the starter, and I, I feel comfortable with him playing up in the box and in the alley. All right, the most the 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 most boring one we'll finish off with edge four. 
Twitter. So Jihad Wars Edge three. Obviously, Kayvon and Aziz are starters. Twitter went O'Shane Simmons has forty nine percent. Would you think in twenty nineteen we'd be doing Edge four position battle? O'Shane Zimenez. Timon Fox got 26%. Ellerson Smith got 13%. And Habakkuk Baldonado got 12%. On Instagram, O'Shane got 64%. Timon Fox got 15%. Ellerson got 11 And then Ahab got 10%. Uh, I hate this, but I'm... I'm just going to go O'Shane. No. You know who I want to win this, though? Well, I mean, I, and I'm and I'm going to pick him. You're going to pick Ellerson Smith? No. We've never seen Ellerson Smith play consistently or practice consistently. So, like, and he was, like, a high-ceiling pick where it's like, Ellerson, please, for the love of God, win this battle because nothing else is exciting here. But I'm just going to go. It's a boring answer, but I am going to agree with Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to go O'Shane. Win it. Be a champ. Have a preseason. Have a camp. Habakkuk Baldana, though. Yeah. I mean, he can defend the run. To me, I think he's got the body to do it, the strength. But he was, to me, was so inconsistent as a UDFA. Well, there was so much, like, good flash and stuff. And if you look at their, I mean, like, if you just want to compare college film, like, all of these guys' film was better. Including like Ellerson Smith, well Ellerson. I mean, yeah, Ellerson put big, big numbers. Now he's really bad in the run game, so ha- ha- had him there. I don't. I don't. I, this is going to sound. I I know the point that you're making, but I don't even care about college film at this point. I think Baldonado has the NFL body, and I think he can like he can be better. That he's not. I, I'm not going to say he's already better than Oshane Zimenez. Oshane Zimenez has been around the run of the mill. I just want him to be better than the rest of these guys because if he if he can prove that he can be better than them, I think he easily will be better than them. See, I think if I'm um, going, if I want, it's I want Ellerson Smith because at least there's some hope there for a ceiling. You know, like with Baldondo, it's like you, the ceiling for you is a good run defender who can put together a pass rush rep here or there. O'Shane, it's. Not good. Fox at least rushes with a plan, but it's not consistently successful. Ellerson's the one. This this is a depressing position battle, which I guess is the last guy on the depth chart, so it's not always going to be super exciting. But it kind of so this is where it's this is why it sucks even more is because we don't have a guy to battle for Jihad Ward for Edge Three, which would right. be nice. That's what I would like. I would like to be doing an Edge Three battle, but. The fact that none of these four guys can even make us do an edge three pull with Jihad Ward is what's depressing to me. Yeah. Like, I honestly don't... Like, I, I view O'Shane Zimenez and Jihad Ward on, like, the same level of ability to get after the quarterback. Maybe O'Shane a little bit more. Getting to the... I, I would say Jihad, because at least... O'Shane doesn't do anything. Watch. He's just like... O'Shane, Z- O'Shane Zimenez is a pass rushing specialist who's not good at rushing the pass. Yeah. It's and I picked them, which sucks. Yeah, we differed on like a ton. I think I actually may make a graphic tomorrow. Usually because we don't. We, so we, we differed di- on one, two, four out of six. We differed. We agreed think, on nickel and yeah. linebacker too. I'm gonna make a graphic because of how much we differed, and it'll be like, oh, who's right, who's wrong, and oh, yeah, Bobby, I agree. Should with we throw Bob. Twitter and Instagram on there too? Uh, yeah. Why not? Oh, uh, well, four, four, four categories. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. All right. So we will be back. We will, we will have a, a player profile projection for you tomorrow. We'll be at camp. So make sure to be subscribed to the YouTube because we're going to be doing live streams after every practice. So 11 practices that we will have, uh, we'll have post practice live streams. So make sure to be subscribed on the YouTube. Uh, follow us. This is, we never asked for you to follow us on Twitter, but training camp. You can't watch the games. You can't watch the practices if you're not there. So follow at Talking Giants, at Bobby Skinner underscore, and at Justin Panic. So make sure you're following us on Twitter because that will be the best way to get updates on training camp um, and everything. So I'm excited for it. We're here. Um, you're looking at me in Florida, but when you're listening to me, you're listening to me in New Jersey. So we appreciate you guys. We will see you tomorrow. Until then, let's go Big Blue.